Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, October the 6th, sponsored by 42 at the Clinton Center. On today's edition, we're going to talk about the Las Vegas mass shooting, the Arkansas Supreme Court decision on gift money, Judge Wendell Griffin's lawsuit against the same Arkansas Supreme Court, and maybe a few other odds and ends. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Hello. So, uh, as everyone knows, of course, there was a... Uh, just a horrific mass shooting in Las Vegas, uh, the worst in, in U.S. history, left 58 dead and, and almost 500 wounded. Um, I don't know that there's much we can say about it that hasn't already been said, except there are some Arkansas connections that we can talk about, specifically well, political response. And Oh, well, well, I was going to say there was one tiny Arkansas connection, and it's probably worth mentioning, minor though it was, that in the, in the moments after this shooting, uh, the social media sleuths did their business, and because the police in Las Vegas had identified a girlfriend of the gunman by using her name, she was once married to a man who now lives in Arkansas. For a brief period of time, that poor guy was identified as a suspect in the mass killing. You know, the Internet's a wonderful thing, and social media can be a wonderful thing, but, boy, some terrible things happen from it. Uh, you know, I... I, the political reaction in Arkansas is the usual, just utterly hopeless reaction of what do you say in the face of such mass disaster, particularly when the one question that something like this always raises is, is there something constructive that can be done about gun violence? I don't for a minute think there is a law that will end gun violence, no matter what we do, uh, but I think there are laws that could reduce the occasions. But Arkansas politicians are all Republicans. They're all solidly in the camp of the gun lobby, the National Rifle Association. And so they're generally left with saying, well, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, which has become really a kind of tiresome cliche. I mean, of course, we all wish nothing but the, the best for the victims of something like this and, and, and are sympathetic and empathetic, except for the worst people among us. But I guess the only politician who said anything constructive was Asa Hutchinson who said, well, it's a good thing we're looking more at more security at public events. In other words, we can't do anything about guns, so what we've got to do is further go into Snipers. our bunkers to protect ourselves from people with guns. You know, it seems to me the way you address a problem like that is go at the source of the problem. You know, and somebody else put on Twitter this week something like, well, what was the cause of this? When, of course, they're referring to what what prompted Stephen Paddock to want to do this, and that's a question that we're all interested in, but we know what caused 58 people dead, and that was guns rigged up to automatic fire. And uh, as yet, by the way, I mean, there was an interesting development this week, which was there's this thing, this accessory that you can add to a gun that can turn a semi-automatic weapon into an automatic weapon, which is otherwise illegal. During the Obama years, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms was asked about this thing, and they said, well, we don't regulate accessories, we just regulate guns, which the right wing has used to be and try and blame Obama for this somehow. Well, the NRA, recognizing, I think, that for once the enormity of the disaster was so great that they better do something that wasn't just knee-jerkingly reactionary, said, well, maybe we need to look at regulation of these stocks that allow this. Now... They later clarified they were not calling for a ban of it, and they're not calling for legislation to ban of it. And we haven't had a single uh, 
congressman in Arkansas, I don't think yet, who's expressed support for banning this thing that, that increases the killing power of machines. And, you know, an, a semi-automatic military-style weapon already has immense killing power. You can pull the trigger, I don't know, 100 times a minute, maybe, 50 to 60 anyway. They can fire just killing ammunition from great distances. It was amazing to read that this guy in the hotel had fired on the fuel tanks at the Las Vegas airport and hit several of them. Didn't blow them up, by the way. But he was 500 yards away spraying fire and in a dense crowd. You don't have to be real accurate to kill a lot of people, which he did. So, you know, again, uh, I suspect it's safe in Arkansas not to call for sensible gun measures. I, I think we should. I think we ought to have universal background checks. We ought to revisit the ban on semi-automatic weapons. We ought to ban armor-piercing bullets. We ought to ban devices that allow automatic firing. Uh, we probably ought to have a limit on the number of guns you can own. You know, we have a means where people can report people who are acquiring excessive numbers of handguns, but oddly enough, not long rifles. This guy bought 33 semi-automatic assault rifles in a fairly short period of time. That's the kind of thing that maybe law enforcement people ought to know about so that we can kind of check on it. Now, the, the hardcore Second Amendment people say that's none of your business what I do, but gee, I think it ought to be. Australia had a, after a mass killing, had a gun buyback and gun seizure program, and they think it worked. And Australia is a pretty rough and tumble place. It's not exactly liberal by any means, and so I, I'm not ready to give up, even though I'm outnumbered here, certainly. Well, we should note, as you did on the Arkansas blog, that the New York Times interview uh, had French Hill, congressman from 2nd District, as the number one career recipient for the NRA. The entire U.S. House uh, has the biggest amount of career contributions of political money from the NRA, more than a million dollars. Now, Tom Cotton's in the Senate, and they spend more money on the Senate, but he's gotten more than $2 million from the NRA. And, of course, neither of these people have said, I mean, Cotton said something to the effect of, well, gee, I just don't know how you regulate these sort of things. Well, I mean, this was a guy who bought legal weapons and used them to kill lots of people. We can, we can do something about this. Yeah. All right, let's move on and talk about our sponsor, 42. Big news. Big news from 42 this, uh, this week, and Mike Seelig is just really pumped about it. First of all, their name is going to be changed. I think maybe effective November 2nd when these changes take effect. It's going to be cafe. No, excuse me. It's going to be 42 bar and table. The big news is is they're, they're undergoing a huge interior renovation and realignment of the place. And they're going to add a bar, a real live bar. Uh, they're going to start serving dinner three nights a week, Thursday through Saturday. And the bar is going to be open until midnight. They're going to do some stuff on the outdoors. They're going to create fire pits where if we ever have a fall again in Arkansas, <laughs> you can sit around the fire pits on the deck looking out on the Arkansas River and the illuminated Arkansas River bridges. They're creating a new outdoor entry so that you don't have to go through Clinton Center security. You can go straight to the restaurant and bar. They're going to have valet parking, although the Clinton Center is one of those great places downtown where it's very easy to park, have a huge parking lot, easy to get to. I really think they offer the possibility of sort of a a slightly easier to access and wonderful place to go downtown, but not necessarily in the maelstrom of the River Market District on a crazy Saturday night. I mean, a, a nice, beautiful place to have a good drink of a night and a nice dinner. It sounds good to me. By the way, I 
just because I, in the interest of uh, truth and advertising, you know, we talk about some of their things they do. They do a downtown delivery service, among others. And so I had my lunch delivered today from, oh, nice. from 42. And I had a uh, flank steak sandwich on Leidenheimer French bread with chimichurri sauce. And you can't go wrong. It was, oh. it was a daily special, and it was mighty good. And they do their own potato chips like a lot of places do, but they're really particularly thick and crunchy. Sounds great. Can't wait. So November 2nd, uh, 42 Barn Table coming. Okay. We'll look forward to it. Moving on, the Arkansas Supreme Court this week reversed a lower court ruling by Judge Chris Piazza and declared that former legislator Mike Wilson had properly challenged spending of state surplus as unconstitutional. Well, this was really good news, and it was not a sure thing because this meant going somewhat in the face of the legislature. Uh, it was a 5-2 to two decision. Rhonda Wood and Sean Womack, who were nothing if not solicited of the legislature, were dissenters on most of the significant parts of the ruling. The, the Supreme Court said that you have to, for the legislature to constitutionally appropriate money, that has to specifically say what this money was for. And in this case, they just gave some money to planning and development districts who then spent the money as legislators told them to spend it, generally for local projects. So that they didn't reach... A key legal question Mike Wilson, the former representative from Jacksonville, who filed the lawsuit, raised, and that was, was this also unconstitutional local legislation, this spending of money on strictly local projects, when in theory the legislature is only supposed to spend money on projects of statewide value? They left that for another day, and I think to a certain degree the two dissenters were trying to leave open a pathway for somehow the legislature to get back to a system where they could find a way around this local legislation prohibition by setting up some grant program through an outside agency, perhaps with a little more description of how the money was going to be spent. But the legislature has spent tens of millions of dollars this way over the last, oh, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. And it's mostly gone for some real, really local junk that is just meant to help local legislators get reelected, and and not only that not only did we buy warm-ups for a north little rock football team and put on a fireworks show in benton and buy some turkeys and hams supposedly for some people in lone oak county it turns out that this thing did get crooked the federal government has filed indictments that said this money was shipped to recipients in return for those people paying kickbacks to some of the legislators who arrange for the money. This kind of thing is just an invitation to corruption. It's, if not illegal criminal corruption, it's just corrupt influence peddling. And to let the, to give legislators a pot of money to divvy up as they want to divvy it up among their friends is just asking for trouble. There's no transparency, no accountability. This is the third time Mike Wilson has sued. Third time it's won. This was the hardest one. The interesting thing is, is the majority opinion upheld the Bob Brown decision in earlier Mike Wilson cases in which it said they've got to specify what this money is about. Rhonda Wood and Sean Womack said they didn't want to add that language to things, and, and so it's a good thing for now. There are five people on the other side of this issue. The court could change. You know, someday they might have a court willing to let legislators get, get away with this. We should hope not. But anyway, a rare good piece of news out of the Arkansas Supreme Court. And, and Robin Wynn, I should credit wrote the majority opinion, and he's a former legislator, and that was, I think, some concern about how it might go was because of former legislative background. It might be hard to win this one. 
Sticking with the court, uh, Pulaski County Circuit Judge Wendell Griffin filed a federal civil rights lawsuit over being stripped of his ability to hear cases related to the death penalty, which followed a Good Friday vigil in which Griffin lay on a cot in front of the governor's mansion. Well, you know, this is just a mess. <laughs> and, and, and some of it is a product. Let me begin by saying Wendell Griffin is a smart, learned, principled, dogged guy. I think and have said a dozen times that he absolutely has the First Amendment right he asserts to talk about all the stuff he talks about, but he shouldn't. I I think judges owe it to the bench to be more circumspect than he chooses to be. Doesn't mean he can't be. Doesn't mean he should be punished for it, but I happen to hold that view. But that said... You know, he had, he was part of a demonstration outside the governor's mansion the same day he decided a lawsuit that that enjoined the state from using some drugs for an execution. Well, the, the lawsuit wasn't over the death penalty, although it effectively stopped some executions briefly until he was overturned. It was a property rights case. Uh, a, a pharmacy company said the state had lied to it, to or lied or been dishonest to obtain drugs, and the judge said he was right the same day he was in this demonstration. Now, one thing that's happened is he was out in front of the governor's mansion with people who were protesting the coming executions. Uh, He was lying on a cot. He was tied down. He looked for all the world, as everybody observed it, thought to be portraying somebody about to be lethally executed in Arkansas. He says no. He was there on Good Friday representing the crucified Christ. And he says and has produced some bulletins from his church and emails that suggest that's what they were to be there for. I think, of course, they knew they were going to be there at a time death penalty opponents were also there. Uh, He says that he didn't know this case was coming at the time that was scheduled. I think he can produce evidence of that. So it's going to be kind of a, you know, it's kind of an interesting question. There's an ethics investigation of him underway, which I think was reached too hastily by the Arkansas Supreme Court. I don't like his chances of winning this federal lawsuit, i got to say. I think the federal court getting into the how the state court operated and deciding who should hear cases and who shouldn't and that sort of thing is going to be reluctant to get into this case. But if he can have some discovery and see how it was that the Supreme Court managed to meet and issue a decision on what he'd done without any kind of filings or pleadings, it's going to look like they uh, they kind of went outside the normal judicial process themselves. They don't look very good in this. They had to have had internal communications without been a filing, certainly ex parte, that he didn't get to participate in. They don't look good in it. And, and the, you know, you've still got legislators like Trent Garner saying, impeach him, impeach him, He's, he ought to be gone. Well, you know, due process means something in America. The First Amendment means something. And they want to they wanna throw him off the bench for, they think, expressing an anti-death penalty decision uh, opinion the same day he issued a ruling that would have slowed down executions in Arkansas. Well, number one, he says that's not what the demonstration was about. Number two, it wasn't a death penalty case. Number three, another judge heard the same set of facts later and made the same decision he did. You know, I, I mean... Wendell Griffin was asked and said, and I agree with him, as Sarah Huckabee famously said in another context, this is really a black and white kind of situation here. It's about race. When they say it ain't about race, it's about race. 
you know, we got a guy who was trading favors in his court for sexual favors with defendants, and nobody ever called for his impeachment. He's going to go to jail now. He pleaded guilty this week. Joseph Beckham to win, but we've had any number of judges do awful things, and no senators or House members have been out there calling for calling for immediate impeachment without hearing the evidence first. Wendell Griffin is an outspoken black man. He is simply uppity in the view of the bigots in the legislature, and so they're going to punish him for doing that. So what does it mean to, to sue the Arkansas Supreme Court in federal court? I mean, is do they have anything to hide behind? Do they have to participate in any well, sort of I discovery? Think, I or? think the first thing they will say is, is that they have sovereign immunity. I mean, for their acts, their official acts, and it's pretty broad. I mean, I think that's one of the things they're going to say. Now he can, he can attempt to enjoin the disciplinary proceeding on the argument that government is is infringing on his First Amendment rights by punishing him for expressing them. Again, I think he's got a long road to hold on this. I, I think ultimately that's not going to go anywhere, but, I, you know, who knows? I don't know. Okay. Uh, a few other odds and ends. Uh, Jan Morgan, uh-huh. uh, who many might remember as the uh, very outspoken Hot Springs uh, gun shop owner, says she might challenge Asa Hutchinson in the Republican primary you know, for governor. Just be dis- she's just unhinged, you know, and she... She's the self-styled Second Amendment expert, mother of the Second Amendment in Arkansas, you know, anti-Muslim, and gets on cable TV a lot and just spews crazy kind of stuff at, at the end. And, you know, so Ace is just not is just not liberal and is just not conservative enough for her, and so she's making some noise. Bart Hester, this is the conservative senator of Northwest Arkansas, who I know admire of, did say something fairly funny this week. I will give him credit. He said, you know, Jan Morgan does run... If she has a really well thought out and organized campaign and raises a lot of money, she might get seventeen percent of the vote. <laughs> <laughs> and so I gotta give Bart Hester credit for that. But it'll be fun to watch, I think. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Literac politics. The city board moved Monday to help the current mayor, Mark Sotola, and potentially itself uh, against elect election and challengers who <sighs> use state law to uh to start raising money early. This is, this is more craziness, and, and, and in a certain way, kind of a pox on all of them. Warwick Saban did it first. Frank Scott came in behind him later to do the same thing. They're both candidates for mayor. They both will challenge and come with Mayor Mark Stodola. They formed these exploratory that, committees. That our city law passed in 1994 says you can't raise money for a race for mayor until five months before the election. That's June of 2018, the next mayor's race. Warwick Saban and Frank Scott say, and so far the decisions from the State Ethics Commission have backed them up, have said, well, there's a state law that clearly authorizes fundraising two years in advance of election for local candidates through exploratory committees before you've declared your candidacy, so that's what we're doing. Uh, Mark Stodola uh, doesn't like this, and he's gotten Tom Carpenter on his side. Of course, all the city board's on his side because they're incumbents, and they don't want anybody out there raising money in exploratory committees to run against them because they're covered by the same statute. Well, I mean, I think this is an end around. I, I, I think it certainly violates the spirit of the city ordinance, no doubt about that. I think it's kind of crummy, but I also think it's really crummy that the city and the city board and the city attorney and the mayor are trying to stop Warwick Saban 
and Frank Scott from raising money before the five-month limit. When there is a very clear city ordinance, part of the same code, that says you can't carry over money from previous campaigns for city board races or mayor's races. Mark Stola didn't have an opponent in 2014, carried over $75,000. The ordinance says very clearly that he's got to give that money back to his contributors or give it to a nonprofit organization. He didn't do it. He's been planning to use this money all along. They're going to argue that state law didn't override the ordinance as to when you can raise money, but it did override it as to Mark Stodola keeping his leftover war chest. It just looks hypocritical as hell. I mean, I think what they ought to do to fix it is all of them come to an agreement that they'll only raise and spend money for the five months before the election, or else the city board changed the ordinance and, and legalized what, what's going on. But they, they're not listening to my advice. <laughs> so... Okay, well, with that, let's move on to endorsements. What do you have this week? Well, you know, it's kind of a half endorsement I'd really been looking forward to because the reviews have been so strong on the latest David Simon effort, Deuce, the HBO series. It's kind of about life in the porn industry in New York in the 1970s, but it's also about police extortion and mob activities and a variety of things. But it's mostly about sex. And I... I, there's some elements of it that are good. I mean, there's going to be some character development that is going to make me like this more as it goes on. And their recreation of the seamy Times Square of the 70s is pretty is pretty good. But I don't know. It's it's not it's not The Wire for me yet. I have, I have yeah, but the, if you go back and watch The Wire, it's just it's kind of slow. Well, build. the first season of The Wire was hard, and then it got better and better. Yeah, and, and so there is that. And well, this is a really strong ensemble cast, especially if you like James Franco's shit eating, shit eating grin. Yeah, he's God. He's so sleazy. That you know, the sideburns and the seventies hair and droopy mustache. But I mean, he plays two roles: the twin brothers, you know, and one of them's kind of likable and redeeming, the other one's just a scumbag. And so it's, yeah, no, I mean, it's it, it it's good, but it's boy, it is it's seedy though. Good, yeah. good. By design, I mean. The one thing that I, I want to say about it, too, though, is that it bothers me a little bit is the ambient noise. I, I don't know if this is a problem for you, mm-hmm. but in the original Wire, we had to go to closed captions because the thick Baltimore accents accent, yeah. of Baltimore people, I couldn't interpret. Well, in this case, it's not so much the accents, but whether it's ambient bar noise or street noise where they're out on the prostitute stroll, I'm just I'm old. My hearing is going. I'm I'm having to, I'm having to go close caption again on it. So, <laughs> but but anyway, right. it's uh, you know it's it's okay. I'm gonna stick with it. I, I like having a Sunday show. Well, no, having a Sunday having a Sunday show is a good thing. Uh, well, I have a show to recommend. I don't think that you'd like it, but uh, it's the new Netflix animated show from. Uh, Oh, I forget what the creator's name is. He was on The League, the show about fantasy football. And several other people from The League are on there, too. But it's got voice actors, uh, sort of a who's who of modern comedy, uh, Maya Rudolph and Will Arnett, um, Jason Mantukas, or I don't think that's how you say his name, Jordan Peele. But it's all about puberty. Uh, Will Arnett and Maya Rudolph uh, voice puberty monsters. Um it's very crude and really Crude's wacky. Good. 
Um, okay Jordan Peele, the main character, lives in Duke Ellington's old house, and Jordan Peele plays uh, or does the voice of Duke Ellington's ghost, who provides off kilter and occasionally wise advice. <laughs> it's pretty fun. I mean, it's definitely well, kind of late. It on my it's a it's a late night show night after night you've night. had a few beers, maybe. Well, maybe I'll, I'll give it one shot. Okay, well, thanks for listening. Subscribe via iTunes. Give us a rating and review. It helps people find us. And go to 42. And don't forget 42. Eat there at lunch uh, Monday through Saturday and uh, or have it delivered to your office or drive by, and I'll bring it to you at the curb. But get ready for November 2nd, Thursday night through Saturday night, dinners in a new bar and fire pits on the deck if fall ever comes. Yeah, all right. See ya. See ya.